Welcome back to Let's Learn Something. I'm your host, Paul McTavish. Today we have the treat of looking at how to incorporate some passion into a subject area. Specifically, we get to hear from a PSSD educator about incorporating social responsibility into an ELA class. In today's episode, I get to speak with Jaron Vetter. Jaron is currently the vice principal at Haig High School and has had experience before that as the senior ELA teacher at Delisle Composite School. In that time, he worked hard to make his ELA class meet the needs and interests of his learners, and one of the ways he found to do that was to incorporate the teaching of social responsibility into his ELA B30 class. I was really happy that he agreed to speak with me, partly because he has a wealth of knowledge to share on the subject, and partly because this last summer, while sharing a canoe with him on a trip near Stanley Mission, I managed to dump us both into the lake. Even after all that, he was polite enough to still come talk with me, which is ample proof of what a great guy he is. The specific examples we discuss in this episode pertain to senior ELA, but I'm sure you'll find something thought-provoking no matter the grade level you work with. So, with that in mind, let's learn something about teaching social responsibility in ELA with Jaron Vetter. So Jaron, welcome to the podcast. Super excited to have you here. Um, I know you're out in Hague and I know you got a little bit of admin responsibilities there too as the vice principal, but why don't you tell folks um, a little bit about what your teaching load looks like and what, what do you do in a day, Jaron? Sure. Uh, so I have some credibility. I'll start back. Uh, I spent about 12 years at uh, Delisle Composite School in the senior end of the primarily English department, but all kinds of humanities, um, which is where I kind of fostered what we're going to talk about today. And then now in a general day, I have somewhere between 0.2 to 0.4 admin time, somewhere around 0.2 LF time. Uh, I teach a little phys ed, I teach a little bit of social studies, teach a little bit of English, depending on when you get into the vice uh, principal spot off, then you just kind of pick up the scraps, I'm sure, as you know, of yeah. hey, what, what holes do we have in the timetable? Yeah, that sounds great. Let's do that. Totally. That's how I ended up teaching grade four French. That was totally <laughs> what happened there. So. <laughs> that, better you than me, pal. Better you than me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, no, okay, that's that's awesome. And so what we're going to talk about today is uh, teaching social responsibility, basically, right? And I think most of that work was probably back in at Delal Comp. I don't know if, I don't know how much of what you're doing now lends itself to that. But I guess the first part is, uh, why is that a thing? Why is that, why is that important to you? Or why was that something that you decided to explore? It's interesting. I'm a story guy, so I like to tell stories, so uh, forgive me to, to backdoor into this. But where it kind of started for me, I have a natural passion or interest in it, obviously falling outside of school. But we would engage in these great classroom discussions, and especially as an English teacher, when we started getting to that penny kittle model of teaching where we would um, quick write every day and there'd be these hot button issues that are going on in the world, of course, as you know. And so we get our kids to write about it. We'd sometimes have great, meaningful discussions. And then it was kind of like, a, okay, now time out on that. Now let's get back to where we were uh, in the class. And it felt kind of disjointed or disingenuous at times. And so I started to think about how I could incorporate some of that stuff just more naturally, more organically into what we were doing uh, beyond just, you know, your quick writing or your silent reading or your discussion based. So then you sit down. And then one of the challenges, of course, you start looking at something else has got to go. My, my course load is full. I've got my units planned. I know what I'm doing. Um, something's got to go. And so for me, it kind of started in ELA B30, where what had to go was Lord of the Flies. We got to a point where as much as I love the, the book and I had this great simulation, all these things I was excited about, um, the kids were ready for a change and, and I was ready for a change. And I could see an appetite for it. And so it was mm-hmm. like, let's go. It's a natural jump off point. Like, and I've, I've fortunate enough to work with a teacher in ELAB 30 and Lord of the Flies is, yeah, one of the, 
one of the pillars of ELA V30 for lots of folks. So to make that decision, I'm I'm guessing it didn't you didn't do it lightly, right? That's one of the challenges for any teacher when you want to try. You yeah. hear these great things or something you want to try, but it's it's a time thing, and and something else has got to go. And so that's always one of the the things you wrestle is is what goes to put something else in. But I mean, the yeah, it's sensible for themselves. So what do you think would be better on the other side of that? It's like, okay, we're going to get rid of Lord of the Flies. This will free up some time. Now we can do what? Like, what were the things? So we started talking about kind of just social responsibility, social justice, which is obviously with the advent of technology and social media and all those things. Our kids these days are so much more savvy, so much more worldly and aware than, than previously. And so they're naturally bringing that to the table. And so we start to think about, okay, I'm trying to weigh this with these other things like, you know, when you talk uh, human rights and environmental rights and animal rights, which the kids are naturally passionate about, um, you start to think of like the broad areas of learning. What are we trying to do, right? We're trying to get lifelong citizens. We're trying to get a sense of community, engaged citizens in the future, kind of all those big pieces. And so trying to wrangle that into something that's meaningful. Like I said before, we we primarily started this work in ELA B30 um, in a sense of self unit. And we start to look at, okay, what's relevant? What's engaging? What can we do? And so we get to a place where we got kids writing petitions on change.org. We got kids that are making presentations to the whole school, sometimes to community members in the library, like different things going on like that. And so naturally bringing it in. Yeah. Like the connection I make is when you look at um, the strat plan for Prairie Spirit and there's those aspirational goals at the top. And then we talk about like creating citizens and thinkers and things like that. Like I think what you're doing is a more holistic way to get to that, or I guess it just, it dovetails a lot more nicely, hey, than than trying to shoehorn it into maybe some other stuff you've done for a long time. It's like if we were starting over and we could just re envision what we wanted this to be, away we go. And it kind of sounds like that's what you did. Is that right? Uh, absolutely. And I mean, especially with what's going on in the world right now, and especially what's going on down south that our kids are yeah. so aware of, that there was just an organic demand for it. And then, of course, like we're well, well versed in my pre spirit classroom. And so you start looking at those pieces like relevance and authenticity and student engagement um, and those different types of, of just my pre-spirit classrooms and our aspirational goals. And it's like this fits so perfectly student voice, which I know you guys have done uh, your last couple episodes on. Yeah. And it just kind of seemed like this was a natural way to tie it all in a, in a, in a nice bow. And I mean, that's, it seems like where the division is going anyways, in a supportive way. I know Brad Nickel, my superintendent has been talking to us about project-based learning. And I just see so many natural dovetails between what we were doing uh, with social justice, social responsibility and project-based learning too. Nice. And I'm guessing the kids like it more. Like, I mean, I, and I, I don't want it to sound like I'm throwing shade at Lord of the Flies because I actually <laughs> really like that book. And there's so many great themes you can explore in that, but some kids get they're like, well, this isn't relevant to me, right? And I think it might, and you you can tie those threads. You can show them like, here's where it all connects and there's really interesting stuff. But I also think that there are probably more things, things they're engaged with more that that are easier to bring in when you when you change the d- direction or the focus of how you're choosing texts or how you're choosing issues and things like that. And our kids demand relevancy now and authenticity, right? Like, yeah, you can get them there in terms of making connections, getting to see those connections, but I don't feel like that uh, question or that conversation of like, why are we reading this or how does this pertain? It really goes away. When we, when you think of relevancy, I think back to this story in Delisle, we have a lot of chicken farmers. And yeah. in the first time I ever tried this, you have these kids pick from this huge list of topics that we kind of brainstormed, generated, and I had some. 
And this, this girl approaches me and they're chicken farmers. And she says, I want to do gestation crates. And I'm like, I don't even know what a gestation yeah. crate was at that time. And it's like, sure. I, I got faith in you, which is another thing you have to build is trust yeah. with your kids. But I, I had faith and uh, all of a sudden she opens up this world to me and to her classmates of in the, in the pork producing, certain pork producing places, these gestation crates, which are like horrifically horrific animal cruelty, where these sows are basically just live in these pens where they can't even move, can't even turn around. They're just impregnated breed, impregnated breed. And that's her life. And, and so we talk about relevance. She's a farm girl. She's what went into the college of agriculture. She still works in the agriculture industry. And she's talking about shape as an engaged citizen, shaping, the future of agriculture and she started that you know already back in high school or in organic way with something that was relevant to her so it's just it's perfect so sometimes it takes me a long time to catch on to things that are really obvious to other people so i'm going to say something now that i think is probably obvious to you and probably anybody who's listening but it's like i guess when you give them those opportunities like you're creating a much more direct pathway for transfer like when you think about john hattie's like there's surface level learning and there's deep level learning and there's transfer. So we're learning something here. Can you transfer it somewhere else? When you let them choose some things like you're taking some big concept, some idea of social responsibility and applying it to something that they are interested in. It's like there's transfer that's happening there, right? Because you're not going to walk them through every single part. You don't even know what a gestational crate is, which I still don't know. I'm going to have to look at it after we're done talking here. But they're making that transfer and they're interested in it, which is optimal which like i said you probably already had that figured out but for me i'm just like oh that's a really really neat thing that's happening there we both know as teachers after a certain number of years that you get ideas and some of them you think are gonna hit and they they don't hit and (laughs) sometimes you have a you know the opposite happens and you have an idea and you're wondering where this is going to go and how the kids are going to respond to it and uh and they they just take off and that's why we're talking about this today. That's why I kept doing it. That's why it was transformational. It was something that was hard to generate enthusiasm or hard to um, get the kids to engage in that deep level that you're talking about. Um, I yeah. probably would have, I don't know if I would have went back to Lord of the Flies, but I would have, it's plan B or plan C here. But the totally. kids, kids love the authenticity of it. They love the, the engagement with it. But you do have to still structure it. You still do have to model it. So before we go down that road where they can just pick a topic like that and just launch off, we pick a, a class issue that's probably not on anybody's radar. We dissect it, you know, we, we, we read, we annotate, we um, break it down into the research, look at solutions, look at what the roots of the problems are at a deep level, at an individual level, at a community level. Um, so we're already kind of scaffolding, modeling and putting in place a template and a model for what then they can follow when they pick their individual launch off point. Um, And then once they have those tools and they've picked their own topic, which um, kids are good about finding something they're passionate about as long as they have some structure and support there. And then they hit the ground running in my experience. You kind of answered my next question, but I, going to back you up a wee bit so you have this idea about social responsibility you're like this this i think could i'm passionate about it i think the kids will really connect to it i think they'll be passionate about it so it's like i've got this idea but then how do you start that like what does it actually look like on day one when you're like we're gonna switch this up a little bit and i know that i haven't done a bunch of work with you yet so i think you're gonna need some scaffolds before i can just be like hey run free you got this what are those scaffolds or what are the baby steps or like is it you pick an article off CBC and, and talk about it, or do you have some stuff that you like to do? Like where, where does that start? Before you even get to that point, yeah. if you're in, it, it depends where you're at in your teaching career. If you're a new teacher, yeah. 
make sure you know your community, make sure you know your kids, make sure you know your admin, make sure you have that kind of support. We're fortunate, Paul, that we work in Prairie Spirit School Division where like risk taking is generally encouraged. Um, where when you want to try something like this, like you have your superintendent support, you got your direct support, you have your admin support. Um, yeah. And so part of it is reaching out to the community too, uh, letters home to parents being like, hey, this is what we're working uh, in just so that you're kind of prepared for the content and the conversations that might come home. This is where we're going. This is my thought. Um, Delisle, the, the community was, was really supportive and it's been the same out here in Hague. It's been a great response. You're not forcing any uh, particular agenda that can be perceived on the kids. You're allowing them to ultimately pick and to go with it where they want. And you have to be prepared for those teachers. Sometimes you're going to have people that pick topics that maybe we don't necessarily agree with, right? Um, right. But you, you build that student trust, which is part of, again, the layers that you're, you're building, building that atmosphere and culture of trust, um, of acceptance, of openness to ideas. But when the tangible steps that you kind of got to put in place, if you say like on day one, is again, coming up with that, that uh, modeling. So what we did, on day one i went really taboo and i went with um, acid attacks in the middle east once i tried that and so a topic that i was hoping would have some shock value to be relevant be engaging rather than dynamic uh, a topic that i don't think a lot of the kids is on their radar and so, so we're talking like grade 12 kids too really we're not talking grade five or anything yeah Absolutely. <laughs> I'm glad you have that disclaimer. Um, yeah. But yeah, so this, is, this is second semester B30, grade 12, yeah. way out to adulthood yeah. university. Um, yeah. And so we, we look at an issue, we dissect it, we break it down into the research, we create that modeling and scaffolding, we brainstorm topics together. I add to that list. Now all of a sudden they get to pick something they want. It can be off the list. It can be something that's totally out in left field that they want to. They just pass it by me. Now they have a research template that they are going to go into that we've already done a model of that they can lean on. And then we start breaking down uh, what is the authentic steps that we could take with this. So not every student is doing the same thing when we talk about student choice. Like I said before, we had some students that were writing letters to MPs or MLAs, if that's what would best fit their issue. I had some that were making um, petitions on change.org. We also got to see great transference because um, I want to be real with the kids about, hey, if you've done this great work writing an MLA or MP, we know that a lot of that work has already been done to put a petition on change.org instead of the old kind of model of teaching where it's like sometimes, you know, that we're guilty of where we say, okay, that assignment's done, move that work aside. Now here we're starting something new. Our kids yeah. loved also that it, it was a snowball thing. You're writing a letter. Then you're creating a petition, you're putting it into a documentary or a presentation that's going to go to your community and your parents and your classmates. Um, and so everything just kind of snowballed from there, right? You take them through uh, a beginning topic. The high points I kind of think I heard you hit is that, well, so we're going to pick something that has some emotion or impact to it, I suppose. And then we're going to do research. That's the first thing is like, we're going to find out what the, what the issues are in play and why this exists the way it does. And it's like, what do you need to do to help kids do that? Or is it, or is it just as simple as like, we got to read widely and from, from reputable sources. It's a breaking it down. So it's those critical reading skills where, okay, we can read about a topic, but what are we actually looking for? And so there's a, a research template where we're looking at like, okay, what is the problem? Who are the primary victims? Who are your primary antagonists? And and even those go into deeper levels where you sub it down into like at the individual level who are the antagonists, who at the community level, or maybe it's worldwide. I mean, we have students that are working with things like climate change. So to get them to be able to see, to just say, who are the antagonists of climate change? Well, 
that's a tricky question, right? Are, are we who we drive our cars every day? Is it um, just oil and gas companies and fossil fuels? Is it, you know, not just low hanging fruit, even of a solution based where we go into, you know, renewable energy or we go into electric vehicles or, or whatever they might have heard of lately. We get into deep conversations about like, divesting and investing and as a consumer where do you spend your money and how that has an impact and agriculture and we're an agriculture society and what is sustainable agriculture versus not sustainable and getting to see the issue in its full depth and complexity and where our role is in that at a personal level at a community level and at a, at a broader level even as Canadian citizens so we do that together for one issue and then we try I try and work side by side with them on transferring that to their issue. So, okay, so the first goal then is like understand the issue in its in its nuances to its complexity. And you're never going to get all the way probably down, but it's like we have a broad understanding. And then I assume the next part is like, well, then do something with it, right? How do you, what's the scaffold to help them think about that? Yeah, we want to be solutions based and not just, you know, anybody leaving with the perception that the world's a dumpster fire and there's nothing you could do yeah. and that's doom and gloom, right? It feels um, great to be like outraged about stuff and yell about it, but and like that's a nice Friday night, but you probably want to actually do something with it. And so it's so true. And so getting our kids moving to that direction. So after we've got our basic research in play, we've modeled it. The kids have done their research. Then we start to break down. We So we would look at issues like... Okay, so I'm just going to pause you for a second. So if I understood that correctly... You're doing this in parallel. You don't go all the way through one issue and then say, okay, kids, now you do it. It's like, oh, we've researched this issue. Here's some time to do your own. Is that right? That's correct. So oh, that's really neat. I didn't, I wasn't mentioning that. Yeah. And to go back and forth. So it's not too much me yeah. directed versus kid directed. So we researched an issue. We're at this point in it. You're researching your issue. Okay. Yeah. And so after yeah. we get done the research component, then it would be like, okay, let's see some people who have written open letters or here's some sample letters, right? As mentor text that we can use for what a letter to an MP or an MI looks like on whatever issue it may be. It may be the issue we did in class. It might be something totally different. Yeah. Which is the, and then we break down what those skills look like. Now let's do that. And now let's look at some petitions on change.org that are I've, I've selected, right? That is, yeah. like, no, are strong. Now let's use that as a model, as a template. We'll break it down, deconstruct it together. Now you're going to do that with your issue and just so on and so forth. Yeah. Okay. That makes more, in my mind, I had thought that it's like you went through one whole cycle and then it's like, okay, now I've done it. Now you do it. But I, I, I like, I like that parallel track. It's kind of like, we're, here's this that we saw. You can apply it today or tomorrow class, right? And it's fresh. We do it together. Now we, you, you know, now we do it side by side. Yeah. What's your role then once they get to the creation stage? So they've done the research part. Now they're creating something because I would assume you're going to have a bunch of different products there um, that they're going to. Maybe it's a letter writing campaign or maybe it is a petition or maybe it is a, a video that they're going to send. Like, what's your role in helping that move forward? So a couple things is one, I found that the authenticity of our products in the fact that these are real this isn't a, a fake letter that's going to sit in a drawer to me this is a letter that we're going to mail out and so our kids are actually getting re replies and that's another great part of this is they're getting replies from mps and they're getting replies from mlas and saying thank you for your interest in this topic and they're seeing this in a real way the way democracy is supposed to work or when they're putting a creating a petition they're putting it on change.org now they can share it as widely or not widely as they want, but it's still a real thing on a real platform that's 
used by real people in an authentic outside. Yeah, a real audience, right? It's not just you. And so as soon as the kids know that, and I'm very transparent with that from the beginning, I feel like instinctively you get a different level of buy-in, a different level of polish, a different level of care even, because they know this is an authentic thing for a a greater audience or if they're creating a documentary that's going to actually be shown at it we showed some of them at a pep rally we showed them at staff meetings we had kids doing presentations and we opened this up to community members where we actually had community members coming into our library or their parents uh coming in as part of this general we had other classes coming in from other grades um and sitting in on this and when you make the audience more authentic the students again buy in at a whole different level and so between that that piece and then if we're in a grade 12 class in b30 i've taught most of these kids since grade 10 so we've gotten very used to peer support peer evaluation side by side where it's like check with somebody see where the gaps are check with me and so you're just kind of working that side by side and where everybody's working on their own project and their own idea and their own topic you're trying to provide that support they're supporting each other and then that invisible audience that they know this is for is providing that third layer support you're making me think like a long time ago, we were, I can't remember even who I was talking to, but this idea of responsibility, like you can't learn to be responsible without being given the opportunity to fail, to like try something in front of like real people or like something that's important. If you're just given meaning, meaningless tasks, you'll never learn to be responsible because there's no, there's no skin in the game. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. And you can't, <laughs> even when I think of like our roles, like an administration, um, one of the skills you, you try to develop is to be a coach and to help people like just to talk to them so that they can solve their own issues. And lots of times, like that's, that's the whole, that's the whole gist. That's the bent of it, but it can be very daunting to try and inhabit that role. But the only way you learn to do it is by doing it. And, and with, with some safety nets, hopefully like not, it's not too risky, but there's going to be some discomfort and there's going to be some, it's going to be a little bit challenging, but that's how you learn to like, change your identity so it's like these kids learn it's like oh i can be a difference maker because i'm sending this to a real audience and and i guess what i would say is that in the experiences i've had they raise their game they realize it's like oh this is real people that are really going to look at this this can't be the normal thing that i would just kind of dash off right before class would you would you say that's the experience you found with the kids absolutely it reminds me of we had this one boy he would hardly say boo in class, uh, very introverted, very quiet, but very sweet, sweet young man. And it was, I think it was 2018. It was right around uh, the peak kind of in the news cycle when we were having a rash of youth suicides in, in the North, which we know is still uh, very much an issue today, but it was kind of in the peak of the news cycle. So it was very much on his radar and we had uh, kind of brought it up in class as a quick write and some different things. And he just took off on that. And I looked this up last night. I didn't have this on top of my head because it, it was one of our great success stories where he actually created a, a petition on change.org as just part of this unit. And as of today, it's sitting at 20,371 signatures. And wow. so it was one of these things where you get a kid who you could hardly get him to speak up in class to 20 people and you give them an authentic task, you give them a different platform and just absolutely ride to the occasion and the emotion that he put into it. And we polished it up together along with you know, him, his classmates and, and I, and it was just so rewarding to see that take off and just, you could just see it. You could even see it in him and how it, it kind of changed him. That's why you want to do it, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's to go home at night and realize like, oh, I had this kind of impact or I was able to like create the conditions where this kid could 
inhabit that identity or like build that skill set, which is pretty awesome. Those those are the rewarding moments in teaching. Yeah. 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 For sure. So you've got kids, so you do the research, um, they create something, some product, something that they're, they're proud or something that they're passionate about, I guess, that they want to make a change about that has some sort of social impact. They go through the steps of making it happen. What do you do with that at the end? Like, so I guess this is a very roundabout way of asking, like, what does assessment look like? Because you're going to have a bunch of different stuff coming from kids or a bunch of different paths that they're walking down. Is there something that's common that you're looking for between all of those to say, like, yeah, you've hit the mark or no, you, you're not quite there yet? Like, how do you how do you handle that? Yeah, that's fair. So it's not the, the diversity of products, if we want to call it, that are being created aren't as widespread as you would think, only okay. because... When we start to talk about like solutions is the focus. Yes, we want to show our comprehension and understanding of the issue, but we want to be solutions oriented people. How do, what do we do about this issue? We realize it's a tragedy. We we should address it. What do we do? And so when you start looking and we start having these class conversations about tangibly, what can we do about these big issues? A lot of the solutions of what we could actually do in a classroom come down to the kind of things I'm talking about. We can spread awareness. Well, how do you spread awareness? We can make a presentation. We can make a documentary. We could have an advertising campaign. We could do a social media campaign, something like that. But they all kind of have commonalities. We could write a a petition. We could write a letter. We could write an open letter, you know, and find distribution channels for that. We find different ways, but they're under common common themes or common types, right? And so then we break down, okay, well, whether you're writing a a petition or an open letter, we co-create and co-generate all of our uh, rubrics and assessment pieces together. So it's like, what does that look like? We've dissected um, a model in class of a good uh, petition or of a good open letter. Now, what are these, what, what are the qualities of, of a good piece of writing in that regard, that's going to form the basis of our assessment. And so then at the end, everything in our class is self-assessed, peer assessed, and then ultimately I sign off on the final assessment. But it, you can use evaluation products that are, are general, yet still show the capacity as good writers, as good speakers, as good representers in the English strand. So then you're, you're creating rubrics, not for every single type of different product, but I would assume you'd have three or four different ones you're probably gonna like work from that they're gonna co-create. In, in our class, we come up right at the beginning of the year with like, what are the words when we're assessing, here's our category, what are the words we're using? It's exemplary, it's strong, it's meeting, it's beginning, it's approaching, whatever they are. We, we work it together with the kids, we're there buying into the words instead of the number system. It's gonna still equate to a number system because we're in 10, 11, 12, yeah. but we work through those words. Okay, what are our different? What are we trying to hit? Let's categorize that into categories. So every assessment that we do, the rubric or the it's not even a rubric; it's more of a rating scale um, with criteria within that rating scale. So it's semi-holistic, semi-not is agreed upon by the kids. We've co-generated it, and so it's an easily editable document that sometimes they'll even edit. It's like, okay, take here's our letter writing uh, rubric, if you want to call it a rating scale. Now let's edit that for our purposes of a petition. What what is common? What needs to change? And so we change a few things. Now, if we're doing this as an open letter, what changes to that? If we're doing this as a, a blog post, now what are the commonalities? And so much of it is common that you're right at the end. We end up with a few common assessment tools that can be flexed by the kids, can actually edit them because we've already had the conversations of what exemplary looks like. 
Yeah, they know what quality looks like by the end, right? Or yeah. even at the start, they would have an idea because yeah. they generated it. Yeah, nice. So then, does this take up like when you when you teach social responsibility at ELAB thirty? Does it take up the entire time, or you still got a Hamlet section? Like, okay, you've been in my class, have you, Paul? Yeah. <laughs> I've been in an ELAB thirty class <laughs> in my life before, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. We're so bad. We're so we're so stereotypical as ELA teachers. So. <laughs> So yes, it was Hamlet is the one focus and then Lord of the Flies back when we used to plan our whole units around, here's my text. Now let's plan from there, you know, instead of doing backwards by design. But, um, and so I still, when I, when I was doing this outright, still when I was teaching LAB 30, uh, two years ago or three years ago now, we very much, we had our Hamlet unit. And then this was a unit, um, that we called sense of self, um, and sense of community. And so it, it, it took up a unit and it didn't take any longer than the unit would have been. The kids jump in on it. They, they buy into it. They move with a greater uh, expediency even because it's more them driven than it is me, you know, maybe Hamlet dragging them through it. Right. Yeah. And so for, sure. for time, time is not uh, an issue or a challenge. That's not the problem. Yeah. So what is, that's a great segue. What is hard about this? So as you, as you go through this, like what are the challenges that you faced the first time that you eventually fixed or that you're still like, man, I don't know if we have a great solution for that yet. First thing is something's got to go. You as teacher decide something's got to go. Second thing is you need that support. That's a challenge. Make sure you have that support in place with your admin, with your community, with your kids. You have to build that uh, classroom culture of, of trust, of acceptance. You got some kids that are going to write and take on some pretty vulnerable things, and you're asking them to be vulnerable. You got to make sure that you have that culture in place before you're asking kids to be vulnerable and take yeah. those risks and setting them up for potentially, you know, impactful, negatively impactful experience. Yeah. That relationship building and that social capital is really, really important that you build that with your kids. You're vulnerable with your kids they're vulnerable back with you. And once you've got that, those are the hard pieces in place. And then the actual tangible part of teaching it and modeling is, is stuff that we're doing anyways. Yeah, that part isn't dr drastically different. The mechanics of it, it's more just like, what's the focus? Yeah. Do you, do you have any tips on like, and I think you kind of said it, but like, so creating that culture where people can be vulnerable, is it just lots of you modeling? English, we're we're fortunate. I live in the English world. I think the humanities is like that where it lends itself to current events. We quick write every day. So whenever there's hot button issues going on in the United States, we bring the, or United States, Canada, the worldwide, we bring that into our class. We talk about it. We quick write about it. We give that place in quick writing and in classroom discussion where we're giving voice to these issues. And so I feel like that's a natural starting down the road of like, Let's talk about real things. Let's talk about what matters and let's have authentic, engaging conversations. I'm I'm catering to a senior senior end, but I think that's true anywhere where the more that you can connect to what's going on in our kids' lives in a real, authentic, relevant way, it just starts to build that capital and that emotional capital. Yeah. It's by analyzing it together and sharing. Like I would assume there's quick right and then Hey, does anybody want to share today a little thing? And then that will just lead to some conversations where people build off what others have said. Yeah. In the, in the penny kiddo model, which I'm, I'm not trying to overtly plug, but uh, I yeah. believe yeah. we, we always have a, a, it's a token. It's called sharing of beautiful words or sharing of words. And oh, okay. so you always try whether it's right or quick, right. Or whether it's when they're working on their products at the end of class, you see somebody who's working on something that you're like, Hey, 
this is beautiful. This is fantastic work. Can I share this or can you share this? And so you always try and make a, a time slotting class where we're sharing those words with each other. And that all is just contributing. It's not one thing, as, as I know everybody knows, but it's all those little things contribute to that climate and that culture that, uh, of acceptance. That's awesome. So for those who are just starting out, what would, what would be your... There's, there's going to be bumps, I'm sure, because that's just life. But what would be the thing you'd recommend to them? It's like, hey, you're just starting this. You're interested in it. Where do they where do they begin? Feel the pulse of, the, uh, of your class. Um, feel the pulse of your kids in terms of whether it's interesting. It's it's so emotionally charged. And you're asking the kids to lay it on the line that if, if it's not there, it's a hard thing to drag them through or to try to manufacture yourself. You're putting a lot of onus on yourself you really want to make sure and, and build that first within your kids where there's that that place of voice, there's that place of comfort, there's that place of vulnerability and of risk-taking and where current event, whether it's current events or whether it's just things that are going on in our lives and in the world, it already has an organic voice in your classroom. And then it's a natural kind of lead-off point, right? Where you can go down this road. That's the main thing that you have to have in place because I find that once you give kids that opportunity, the vast majority want to do something that's real, that they feel is real, that's something that they feel is authentic and engaging. Yeah, that's awesome. Is there anything I should have asked you or is there anything else you want to throw in there that, that pops to mind about uh, teaching social responsibility? I think one of the things is you got to meet kids where they're at. I know some teachers, you you, you want we all want to come in, we want to change the world, we want to right the wrongs, we want um, everybody to, to get on board, and you're going to meet some resistance, right? You're going to meet some kids that have different, fundamentally different ideas or come from some homes where certain ideas or values that maybe don't resonate um, are, are, you know, take hold. And so you can either, you know, kind of smash heads with your kids and come up against that, trying to change their their viewpoints or you can just kind of accept that change is subtle change is soft you're nudging you're meeting them where they're at and you're trying to just nudge them along as opposed to changing you know trying to change their their viewpoint overnight right it's kind of like it reminds me of that martin martin luther king jr kind of quote you know uh, the arc of the moral universe is long but it bends towards justice i think yeah version of that is like that idea of like we want to right all these wrongs. We as teachers believe in the power of education to help right those wrongs. But you're you're going to come up with some resistance. You're going to come up with students that are resistant with with sometimes with parents that are resistant to some of the the things that you might be taking on in class. And you just got to meet your kids where they're at, gently nudge them, show them that there are other viewpoints and ways of looking at things, and just take comfort in the fact that that you're doing your part to you know nudge things along. Last question. I didn't prepare you for this, so if you don't have an answer, that's fine. But you've given me two book recommendations I really liked. Uh, you told me to, to listen to Sapiens. And I listened to that on Audible, which is great. And I'm uh, listening to uh, Barack's book right now and listening on Audible and listening to him read. I'm 10 hours in out of the 29, but I'm really, really enjoying that. So is there any other books you've listened to or read that, uh, that, I, that I should be listening to or reading? Anything by that Noah? Is it Yuval Noah Harari or Noah Yuval Harari? I think I it's Yuval remember. Noah Harari. Yeah, but I can't remember exactly either. So he's got two other books that I've read that are fantastic. Because I think it's twenty first century humans, twenty first century, and then it's like do D U E S humans. I think I don't okay. even want to say that's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Anything by him is fantastic. Okay. 
Malcolm Gladwell, who this is this is low hanging fruit, and I almost feel bad for suggesting like, hey, you're in education. Have you heard of Malcolm Gladwell? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've heard of him. <laughs> for the same reason, I feel like life is so busy now that I love listening to Barack's voice. I love listening to yeah. uh, uh, to those audiobooks. Is Malcolm Gladwell? You know, through his whether it's his podcast, Revisions History, or his new book, Talking to Strangers, yeah, is just fantastic and builds upon. You know, some of my favorites like David versus Goliath and Outliers, uh, just yeah. listening to his voice and listening to intelligent, articulate people like him just is the most gratifying thing, especially right now, it seems like in this day and age. I really appreciate how he structures his books and where it's like, here's an idea or here's a story or just a snippet. And then here's the idea it's based upon. And then we're back to the story. And it's just it's really engaging. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan, too. So. All right. Well, Jaren, thanks so much. I appreciate you taking the time to discuss this with me. I, I've like just some of the things you're talking about really resonate with me and, and resonate, I'm sure, with lots of other teachers. So thank you for your time. I appreciate it so much. The pleasure is all mine, Paul. Thank you very much for doing this. Thanks for having me, buddy. That's our show on teaching social responsibility in ELA. Again, thank you to Jaren for doing both the hard work of carrying the conversation in this episode and the majority of the paddling in the aforementioned canoe. It's always appreciated. Stay tuned to this podcast feed for more conversations with Prairie Spirit teachers in the coming weeks. Until then, stay safe and take care.